and welcome back to the Red River Rising. I'm Pastor Mike along with author Rick Salcida. And today we're going to get into part three here of this series, which I think is going to last four parts. It's the title, Does Anybody Know What Time It Is? And uh, with two of these down and two left to go, we're about at that midway point. So, Rick, why don't you kind of catch us up where we're at here? All right. Well, last time we talked about the rapture from a uh, pre-trib point of view, and we talked about the marriage supper of the Lamb and the judgment seat of Christ. So now we're going to get into the tribulation. While the saints, from the pre-trib point of view, while the saints are in heaven uh, going through the marriage supper of the Lamb and the judgment seat of Christ, where they're not judged for works. Well, they're not judged for sins. They're judged for the quality of their works for the kingdom of God, and then they receive a reward. Right. Okay? So it's not it's not like... Uh, a wrathful judgment seat. And while all that's going on, down on the earth, the tribulation is occurring. And we start off in Matthew verse 24, or uh, chapter 24, verse 21 and 22, and it says, For then there will be a great tribulation, as such has not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Now think about that. Think about all the atrocities that have occurred in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, think about all the death and destruction uh, in World War II. Millions upon millions upon millions of people, you know, suffered and died. Right. But that's going to be nothing compared to the tribulation. Right. It's going to be the worst time in the history of the world's existence. Absolutely. And um, it's so bad that if those days weren't shortened, even those that you know, embrace Jesus as Lord and Savior would lose their hope, would lose mm-hmm. their faith. They wouldn't be able to endure. That's how bad those days are. Yeah. So God in his mercy shortened those days so that the elect, you know, wouldn't, uh, wouldn't fall away. Yeah. So it's going to be a pretty bad time. And then in Isaiah chapter 13, verse 13, it says, therefore I will shake the heavens and the earth. Therefore I will shake the heavens and the earth will move out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts. And in the day of his fierce anger. Now, I just want to point that out. Um, it says the wrath of the Lord of hosts. See, we're living in the age of grace. So our big emphasis is on amazing grace and God's mercy and his love based on, you know, what Jesus did when he came and he, he came as a, as a lamb, as a servant, you know, as a humble servant. Um, so that's dominates our perception of God, but the word of God is very clear that he is also a wrathful God and he is also a God of fierce anger. So, you know, we need to take God seriously. I think sometimes we take him for granted when we really should be taking him seriously. I agree with that. You know, we, we shouldn't think that we can live a lifestyle of sin, you know, Oh, I'll just be, you know, I'll be forgiven because of the blood of Jesus, Mm -hmm. you know, or how can a loving God send me to hell for this? Right. But what we're doing is we're taking him for granted. You know, we're, we're wanting him to bow down to our wishes instead of us bowing down to his will and his word. So we're not taking God seriously. And, and we can find ourselves in a place of wrath of God's wrath. If we're not careful Mm -hmm. because his mercy does endure and his loving kindness, you know, is refreshed every day, but there does come a point where his long suffering is expired, mm-hmm. is exhausted, and then his wrath kicks in. And, you know, personally, I, you know, just think of the power of all creation. Just think of the power of the sun 
and that's a small star. And you combine all the powers of all the stars. That's a lot of energy, mm -hmm. but it's nothing compared to God. Right. And I would not want to be on the wrong end of God's fierce anger. Right. And so, you know, I want to caution people to strive to live, take God seriously, take his word seriously. Um, you know, not only in, in like was preached a couple of weeks ago, you know, read the word, obey the word, mm -hmm. you know, we're called to, you know, obey God. You get saved through accepting Jesus as your Lord and savior. You know, everybody wants him as savior, right. but how many people truly embrace him as their Lord? That's right. Yeah. You know, Lord, what will you have me to do? And then they actually live out that, yeah. that will, Yep. you know, you know, how many people actually crucify their flesh daily? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly right. I would say not many, and, and sadly to say, not many Christians do. Yeah, I would agree with that statement. Absolutely. So, unfortunately, you are yes, correct. unfortunately, and so uh, there's going to be a time. The age of grace is going to come to an end, and there's going to be a time where great judgment and wrath are poured out on the earth, and that's called the tribulation. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, some people believe the the saints will be uh, re reunited with Christ before that. Some believe it'll happen. Midway and others believe it'll happen, you know, at the end. Right. And it just depends on how you want to interpret or perceive certain scriptures. Right. Because really you can justify all those points of view. Yeah. So it's not worth uh, fighting over. Right. You know, let's just be united in the one thing that we agree. Yeah. There's going to be a rapture. I'll tell you this, though. I've seen lots and lots of ministries based off of just Revelation alone and, um, and, and talking about this, you know, tribulation um hypotheses as far as you know when it will take place and so on and so forth and i just caution people don't get distracted that you know lots of these uh you know uh, wooded areas i guess you know you get lost in the weeds mm -hmm. and um it'll distract you what you really should be doing because jesus didn't tell you to make sure that you studied so you know which type of rapture is going to take place jesus told you to make sure that you went out and shared the gospel Mm -hmm. made disciples and yeah. you know took the took the, the spread of the gospel to the ends of the earth that's what our great commission is yeah so i don't want people to get too far distracted it's, it's wonderful to study i mean i enjoy the study but what i don't do is get hung up on a what if or if this mm -hmm. to the point that i put all my focus into that and neglect what i was actually commanded to do yeah and we certainly don't want to say well okay Based on my understanding, this is my point of view. Oh, you have a different point of view, and then we get into strife and division over right. it. Yeah, you, know, you don't. As a matter of fact, uh, there's scripture about that that talks about not arguing mm -hmm. over something so trivial. Right, you know, I like that too. So. Yeah, we can just focus on what we agree on. Hey, there's going to be a rapture. That's right. You know, so make sure that you're ready. Be a wise virgin. Virgin, have That's plenty right. of of oil for your lamp. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. So uh, there's going to be a time of God's fierce anger upon the earth. It's called the tribulation. Mm -hmm. And the second coming of Christ will, will occur and put an end to the seven-year tribulation. And Jesus talked about that in Matthew 24, verses 29 through 31. He said, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, and from the end of, and from one end of heaven to the other. So there's a couple interesting points in here. Mm -hmm. One is it says that the nations will mourn. Right. 
Now, from I guess from a Christian's point of view, the second coming of Christ is going to be a great and glorious day. Right. You know, but the nations mourned. Yeah. So even after the tribulation, even after all these great judgments of God upon humanity, they still didn't want to bow down and, and serve God. When they saw, you know, the coming of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, they mourned. Right. Oh, no, you know, it's true. Jesus is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is going to rule and reign over us. And they mourned about it. Yeah. They didn't, they didn't, you know, they didn't embrace it. And then also it says here, he will send his angels with the sound of a great trumpet to gather together his elect. So this is where the, the post-tribs, uh, believers, this right. is one of the scriptures that, that, uh, that, uh, kind of forms their perception. Mm-hmm. Cause it says, you know, immediately after the tribulation of those days, and then it goes into where the angels are gathering, um, God's elect together from the four winds. So it could, you know, that could be the case, or they're simply gathering people who got saved during the the tribulation, right? Because the earlier people that were saved were already raptured. Yeah. And then in Revelation nineteen verses eleven through fifteen, it says, "Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like the flame of fire, and on his head." were many crowns he had the name written that no one knew except himself he was clothed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the word of god and the armies of and the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen white and clean followed him on white horses now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations and he himself will rule them with an iron rod he himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of almighty god a uh, couple things here. Um, it says here, when Jesus comes again, again, we have this perception of Jesus as a meek lamb, right. as a, a sacrificial servant. But here it says he comes to judge and make war. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, the Savior of humanity, is going to come to judge and make war against those who have rejected him. Right. And so, you know, that's a perception of God that's not often talked about. And then it also says here, uh, he will send, or it says here, um, the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And a lot of times, there's a lot of people out there that believe that the saints are coming back with Jesus, mm-hmm. that they're part of the armies of heaven. But if you read the scriptures, Throughout the scriptures in the Old Testament, it's the armies of heaven are the angel armies. Mm. You know, he's the Lord of hosts and the heavenly host are the angel armies. So maybe the saints are coming back with him. Maybe it's just an army of angels that come back with him. Um, we'll have to wait and find out when we know when that event occurs, right. then we'll know for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and it says, um, out of his mouth comes a sharp sword and he's going to strike the nations. When all this occurs, there aren't going to be any, any bloody battles. There aren't going to be any drawn out slug fests. You know, Jesus is just going to speak and his enemies are going to be defeated. Mm. The power of God's word, the power behind his word is going to achieve that. So, you know, when it says a sharp two edged sword, it's talking about his word. He's simply going to say, my enemies be defeated. 
poof, it's going to happen. Right. You know, it's not talking about an actual physical sword where there's going to be slicing and cutting mm-hmm. and, you know, some grand medieval battle. Right. You know, remember that movie uh, Braveheart mm-hmm. where they were having battles and people's legs were getting chopped <laughs> right. off and yeah. all this other stuff, blood splurting everywhere. Well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Jesus is just going to speak and they're going to be defeated. Right. End of story. And then the other interesting thing is, is again, you know, we're, we're talking about the, the Lamb of God, the Savior of humanity, you know, the, the one who no greater love than to day, lay down your life for your friends. And he laid down his life for every human being. Okay, that person, that very same person is coming back and he's going to rule the nations with an iron rod. And he himself is going to tread the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of God Almighty. So, you know, a lot of times you'll hear, well, if Jesus came back today, he'd hang out with the homeless, you right. know, or he'd hang out with these people, or he'd hang out with those people. He might hang out with the homeless, but he ain't hanging out in the strip joint, put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. But when he comes back, see, they're, they're still, they have that perception of him the first time he came. Right, right. right as a meek right. lamb. Right. He's going to be the king of kings and lord of lords and the almighty of all creation. Right. Because God has granted him authority, all authority in heaven and in mm-hmm. earth. And um, so this time he's going to come back. He's going to enforce God's word. He's going to enforce God's way. He's going to, you know, tread the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of God Almighty. Yeah. You know, rebellion isn't going to be tolerated. Right. We're not going. We're not going to be in that age of grace that we've become accustomed to for two thousand years. Right. So we have the second coming occurring after the tribulation. And then um, right after that, when Jesus comes the second time, he sets up his millennial reign. This is the messianic reign that the disciples were expecting Correct. to happen in their day. Right. And so it was quite a shock to them when God imposed a mystery of the age of grace mm-hmm. in there. Sure. Because they weren't expecting it. And it kind of threw them for a loop. And in Revelation chapter 19, Verses 20 through chapter 20, verses 5, it reads, And the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet, who had performed in its presence the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped its its image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur, and the rest were killed by the sword of the rider on the horse, the sword that came from his mouth, and all the birds were gorged with his flesh. See right there, there isn't going to be a long, drawn-out, bloody battle. Right. Jesus is just going to rebuke his enemies. They're going to die, and the, the birds are going to feast on their flesh. And, um, chapter 20, verse 1. Then I saw an angel come down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a, and a, a chain. And he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he threw him into a pit and shut it and sealed it over and sealed it over him so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. After which he must be released for a little while. Now, it's very interesting. So it says he, you know, he will no longer be able to deceive the nations. Mm-hmm. So that's what he's been doing to mankind since day one. That's right. Since, he, the Garden of Eden. since he poked his nose in the Garden of Eden. That's right. You know, Adam should have rebuked him and cast him out of there, mm-hmm. but he didn't. And, and so he's been deceiving humanity ever since. Yep. And here's an interesting point. Mike, how many angels did it take to bind Satan? Uh, 
One. One. (laughs) So it only took one angel to seize the dragon and bind him up and cast him into the abyss. One angel. So you can see, you know, I think sometimes Satan is overrated. You know, yes, he, he's an evil being, and yes, the angels are a, a higher being than we are, mm-hmm. but not when we have God's authority. No. See, this one angel had the authority of God, from God, to seize Satan, mm-hmm. and that's all it took was one angel. So, you know, even the, the – and I'm kind of hoping that this was the lowliest angel of all heaven. <laughs> you know, sorry, Michael, you know, right, right. mighty war angel. I'm hoping that the lowliest angel in heaven gets the task of, of of seizing and binding Satan and wrapping him up to show what the meekest person can do with the authority of God behind him, right. you know. So it only took one angel to, to bind Satan. And, you know, we've been conditioned to fear the devil. You know, you look at movies like The Exorcist and, right. and you yeah, know, all these paintings of Satan. He's yeah. big and fierce and mighty and to be feared. So, you know, sadly, if we ever encountered a demon-possessed person, I think just out of condition, we're going right. to freeze up and fear and go, oh, no, you know, am I going to be slammed against the wall or something, you know, right. when, in fact, we have total authority over that yeah. that thing, yeah. you know. Yeah, I think he's uh, I think he's overrated. But sometimes underestimated. So, you know, we, we need to keep a watchful eye for his crafty mm-hmm. deceitfulness. Right. But knowing exactly. that once you spot it, you know, he's nothing to defeat. You just need to keep a weather eye out. Yeah. You know? so, yeah. And this is where being faithful and obeying the word of God comes in. Because if you're not obeying the word of God, right. if you're living in rebellion, that authority isn't going to flow through you. That's exactly right. The devil's going to laugh in your face. Yeah, that's right. No, you're exactly right. Yeah. Well, you're moving outside the will of God. And then you're asking things, but you're asking amiss yeah. because you're really not in line with it, you know, yeah. uh, to be asking those things in the name of Jesus. Yeah. So I agree with that. Yeah. And uh, I had a friend tell me once, you know, if, if we, if we don't obey the word of God and we ask through prayer for this, that, and the other, if God answers those prayers, then he's condoning our sin. All right. You know, yeah. so, you know, so if we, if we rebuke Satan in the name of Jesus, even though we're living a rebellious lifestyle, if God honored that, then he's kind of saying, yeah, your rebellious lifestyle is okay. Yeah. And it's not. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. yeah. We're going to have to do a different lesson on that sometime, too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll go ahead and pick up there. I think you were verse, uh, what was it, verse 4. Yeah, verse 4. And then I saw thrones, and seated on them were those to whom the authority judge were committed. Also, I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their forehead or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended, and this was the first resurrection. So it's kind of unclear, you know, are these the people that lived during the tribulation? That didn't give in, you know, didn't accept the mark, didn't worship the false image, right. you know, um, or is, is it, you know, I guess it's just whether whether the rapture has already occurred or not, all those who faithfully endured the tribulation are going to reign with Jesus mm-hmm. the thousand years. And, the, and the, you know, the rest of the people that have died, I guess, prior to the tribulation, you know, they're not going to resurrect until the second judgment i guess i don't know i mean there's there's different ways to perceive this yeah and yeah. and i'm not an, an i guess it's called eschatology, eschatology expert yeah. so you know yeah and like i said i've seen and i've seen 
certain uh, denominations spend all their time just on, on this. That's true. Just talking about you, with the you know the first resurrection. So some people believe that when you die, you, you don't do anything. You're just mm. dead. You just sleep until almost in a non-existent that's state. Exactly right. Yeah. It's in a, a state of just nothingness. Mm-hmm. And, you know, until resurrected, and other people believe. Of course, I believe that when you die, you go to heaven, mm-hmm. and uh, if you are saved, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, and I and I get that off of you know Jesus telling the the sinner on the cross that today you you mm-hmm. will meet it in paradise. So right. So therefore, that tells me that yeah. you know. And also, I just recently read where Jesus said, um, you know, God. Have you never read? God said He was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yeah. He's the God of the, the living, living, not the dead. Because right. see, the Sadducees had a similar point right. of view, and so right. He was, you know, dealing with the Sadducees. He's the God of the living. Yeah. So when you die, you're just living in a different state. Well, the Sadducees, you know, they only they only stopped at the Torah. The first five books of Moses is what they, you know, really were into, which didn't get into all the other things of, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, what I, happens after death. Yeah, that's right. I say yeah. so on and so forth. So yeah. missed out on all those things and didn't believe those things. So, But either way that goes, um, that's where you, you, Revelation is, a, and it's a very colorful book. It, and it tells you, blessed are those that read this book. So you mm-hmm. need to read it. Yeah. But, um, but I, again, I, I, I would say that if you spend most of your time in that and you're skipping over, let's just say Romans and mm-hmm. Ephesians and Philippians yeah. and the Galatians, these are all books of how we should be living. Right. It tells us how to live a victorious That's life. Right. That's where we need you to know. spend most of our time focused in on. Yeah. I mean, it's important to know Revelation, yeah. the book of Revelation. But what's more important to God? You know, for you to study his word and feed the hungry. Right. For you to study, you know, all of his word and clothe the naked. Yeah. Or to be an expert on, on eschatology. Yeah. And, you know, of course, we're, we're touching on this because it is important that we know that this stuff is coming to pass. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as the title suggests, we need to be watching for the signs of the time. Right. You know? Yeah. But uh, there again, it's not where we go, oh, now we're hung up on this and I'm right, you're wrong, so on and so forth. And then you become yeah. a stumbling stone for other people as well. Yeah. And instead of going out and doing good works, we're arguing among ourselves who's right and who's wrong. That's right. You That's know, exactly so, right. so we got to be careful to avoid that snare. Absolutely, Rick. Absolutely. Well, Mike, I think that's it for this section, um, and I just want to thank everyone for tuning in, and I want to encourage you to prepare your heart for the coming revival. Amen.